You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Well, hello to another edition of Global Trade This Week. I am one of your co-hosts, Doug Draper, um, and my other co-host is on the other side of the United States, Mr. Pete Mento in uh, lovely New Hampshire. Pete, how are you doing today? I'm good, buddy. Um, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned our geographic differences because I, I have been um, in my sleepless nights trying to figure out where I want to live again. And mm -hmm. I've decided rather than putting that much pressure on myself, I'm going to pick a bunch of places. And then Amy and I are going to go travel and see them. And maybe something will inspire us. I don't know. But, um, you know, I love, you know, I love Colorado. Uh, but I, I have this list of cities where you're less likely to be engaged in a, um, like a pup, like what do you call them? Um, a disaster, you know, like a natural disaster. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, Boulder is one of them. Like Boulder is listed as one of the safest to avoid some catastrophe happening. And it's in the top 10. Mm. There's other ones in there, like, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina. And, um, I can't remember all Minneapolis was one of them. It's just like, you know, cities where the weather is less likely to take you out than um, other places. And I thought Boulder was interesting because, I mean, you guys get some for real snow in Colorado. But mm. uh, anyway, I'm 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 all about looking at like New Mexico and Wyoming and Montana right now. And um, good, like you said, you just just staying wherever the damn kids are. So it's fun to have a yeah. fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, there's a there's a million jokes in there about Boulder and being safe that I just can't think of off the top of my head. So I'm not even going to try to to pull yeah. one out by by any stretch. I, but yeah, I'll help you out. You, I'll help you out. Just came to me. A city with that many safe spaces for people's feelings would probably be a pretty safe place to live. How about that? Dan? Yeah, there is you that go. Enough? That yeah. is that's perfect. And, Chalk and it would, up. Would um, is it Fort Collins? Is that the right name? Yeah, Fort Collins up north. Colorado states. Of, would that be kind of the anti-Boulder, or is it not that far off of Boulder? Um, I don't know if you can yin and yang those two, but um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly uh, it could be pitched that way in the media to talk about the differences, and that is the case to some degree. Yeah. So, and we, we yeah. should just talk about this and get this out of the way, Doug. I, I am growing my beard longer, so um, I, I don't know if I've just been around Keenan too much or what the case may be, uh, but I have been growing it out. So uh, that is why everyone is seeing a much hairier Sasquatch like Pete. Lately. Yeah. Uh, I'm just it looks it good. All hang out. Let it all hang out, buddy. I'm still it shaking looks... my head, but there will come a day, Doug, when I just stop cutting the hair. I just stop. I'm just going to quit. And that's when you know that I'm just a couple years away from telling this whole industry to kiss off. So when that happens, yeah. you'll, you'll definitely know, pal. You'll know. You'll pull a Lovey Smith. I saw that guy the other day uh, coaching, and are you kidding me? I was like, who is that guy? And then yeah. uh, crazy. Interesting yeah, I stuff. I saw Deuce McAllister in New Orleans a couple of years ago, and if you don't remember who he is, he was a, he was a running back for the Saints, and he was yeah. very good. Um, but he is the size of – I don't know if you remember Nell Carter from um, Give Me a Break, NBC, <laughs> 1980s. He looks about the size of Nell Carter right now. Like, I – I don't know if, if he just stopped going to practice and stopped stepping on the scale or what's going on, but Deuce is a big boy. Yeah, um, yeah and apparently he's also um, been known to let let the beard go. 
So, yeah, yeah I can't, I can't well, Yeah, the, the other, the thing just popped on my mind, I can't believe I remember this, but the other character on there was a guy named Rerun. Remember him? No, different show. You're thinking of uh, what's happening. Doug, uh, don't, don't even start with me with 70s and 80s television shows. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, because it was Raj and Rerun. I, I love that show. I love that show to death. And yeah. they, would, they would go to a Roz was the lady who, who ran the diner they hung out at. And Rerun mm-hmm. would start doing his popping and locking. I loved every second of that television show. Keenan yeah. is right now, while we're doing this, he's on his phone like, what's happening? What? Oh, and, yeah, and, and, and the follow-up, what's happening now? Mm-hmm. When they actually had a spinoff of that show. That's how sad and pathetic I am. I have a friend of mine who's um, obsessed with older television shows. He has an incredible Twitter feed called Poncho's Disco-Rama where he takes pictures. For those of you who are not following on Twitter, he's definitely worth the follow. He'll take um, a picture of one of the nights of an old TV guide from like, you know, Tuesday, September, whatever, 1983. And he'll just go through the shows that are that were on that day. And I'm like, oh my God, TV was so good. But it was yeah. so bad at the same time. But it was so good. Right, Doug, all- you, were, you, were you a Hawaii 5.0 guy? Were you a... Were you a Magnum Hawaii Five O, Simon and Simon? No, probably um, <sighs> Hawaii Five O. I like that one. That was good. And then uh, it, this one will take you way back. You remember that show in the seventies called Emergency? Oh, Emergency was the bomb. Emergency, one out of twelve. Um, God, there was another one, right? There was another one that was about. That's the only one I can remember. That oh, that was. Man. Yeah. I, you've seen it. I saw it recently, and it just—it's—it's it's so bad. It, yeah. I can't even believe that it was prime time, must-watch TV. Uh, it's so bad. But we loved it when we were kids. There was a, there was a show called Doctari that you might not remember, but it was about a oh. family that lived out in Africa on a wildlife preserve, and they would you know drive around with their dart rifles and their Range Rovers sticking out of the. I love that show. I watched a couple of minutes of it on YouTube the other day, and I said, I don't know just how much drugs my parents were doing when they gave you know when they conceived me but apparently it was a lot if mm. i found it that entertaining in the 1970s uh but many of those shows don't they just don't they don't stand up unfortunately pal but, but like mm. um rockford files you know yeah. um colombo and i've started watching old movies again so we're kind of on a hitchcock uh kick right now but I'm, I'm just i'm trying to not get myself sucked into too much of the new television because i've just I got so much to watch, man. It's getting kind of ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what else is incredibly entertaining is this show that you and I do right here, right now, called Global Trade This Week. Yeah, yeah. Brought to you by Cap Logistics. And um, we'll we'll kick this one off. And I was driving in, and, and Pete, so audience, we're doing three topics today. One is the big one, the elephant in the room that we've all talked about. And all I can think of, speaking of old TV shows, is The Brady Bunch. When Jan was so frustrated with Marsha, and all she could say was Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. So mm-hmm. this topic is all about China, China, China. So there's yep. the best segue I got on this one, Pete. So I got some yeah. thoughts. You got some thoughts. You just jump in. I'm going I'm to start with this, right? So this is a difficult topic for us to discuss. And you want to talk about an elephant in the room, right? So I, I have a visa. I have a business visa for China. And I got it maybe four years ago. So I've still got six years left on it or so, you know. And, you know, what, what we're talking about today is the very difficult 
way that people have been living in China in certain cities for much as 100 days now on lockdown, where they're, they're not getting to food, they're not getting to the ability to communicate with their friends and, and relatives all over the country. And um, they can't say anything about it. They can't, they, can't say, they can't do much about it for the most part. But what we're seeing now is people actually out in the street protesting. And that's, you know, Doug brought that up this morning. He said, why don't we do this together? And the first thing that came across my mind was, man, do I need to go to China soon? Should I be worried about what I say, how I say it, and where I come off on this side of the topic? Because, to be very honest, Doug, it's not difficult for the Chinese Communist Party to decide that they've got enough, they have more than enough opinionated, bearded white dudes running around right now. We don't need one more. So okay. how effective, you know, the effectiveness is such that we even, as companies that work in international trade, you and I have to be concerned about how vocal and, um, I guess, negative leaning we are about this subject. But to give people some background, uh, and Doug, I'm sure you've got some more on it as well, China has taken a zero COVID stance. And what that essentially means to those of us who are not in Chinese public policy class is very simple. If they come across a certain incredibly low threshold of people who happen to have this um, this version of the disease, they shut down entire geographies. Now they're doing, in their opinion, they're doing much better on limiting just how big a geography we're talking about. But there's one right now that's happening that's going to be delaying the ability for us to get the iPhones out, the new iPhones. There are a number of these have, have slowed down the exportation of automotive parts, critical parts of, of chemicals and heavy industry that we're not seeing exports on. Not to mention the fact, Doug, that things have not been very hot for the Chinese economy to begin with. And when I usually talk about this, I say that there's the public health safety, 1.4 billion people, it's difficult to manage and to uh, lead that many people. But there's the other side of me that says that part of this is just making sure that people are reminded exactly who's in charge. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing for us to tiptoe around, but from a logistics perspective, this has become very real. If you think about where we were last year when Shanghai was closed around the same time, the ripple effects of the global economy on our world and logistics, it was heavy felt air freight, ocean freight, the ability for people to get a hold of what they wanted. And that tail whip, when it started opening up again, you know, it was difficult to keep up with it. But now in the down economy, it doesn't seem to be as difficult for the rest of the world. It just seems really hard on the people in China. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's been um, references to uh, Tiananmen Square and the uh, upheaval and discourse going on over there would be uh, comparable or haven't seen it at this level since 1989. But when I did a little legwork on that, Pete, the one thing is that Tiananmen Square was three things. It was a protest. It was a massacre because people were shot and thousands were injured. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, you got Tank Man, who was the iconic image of that, uh, of that whole uh, Tiananmen Square situation. The, the difference now is social media um, and the ability to spread talk and be uh, sounding board to what um, what's going on out there is just leaps and bounds because of you know the social media um, the, the thing that I wanted to, to hone in on is specific to the, the logistics and supply chain and you just made mention of it we're starting to see delays with zero covid covid zero policy out there 
And I think what's going to happen, which was similar in 2021, when Chinese New Year hits, and if if some of these workers can get the hell out of there uh, and go back home, it'll be very difficult or um, I won't say unlikely, but uh, you get home, why come back? If you can get out, why would you come back to that situation and those regulations and, and standards that are in place? So I think we're starting to see it. But if things don't change dramatically, you're going to see post-Chinese New Year. Um, I don't want to use uh, you know, uh, evening news terms like apocalyptic, because uh, I don't think it's at that well. But that's when we're going to see um, a pretty substantial blip. Because if you can get out, Chinese New Year, going home, we saw it happen uh, right after the 2021 Chinese New Year. It's going to happen again if this continues to rear its head. Or, as simple as it may be, Pete, they squash it, they meaning the Chinese government, pretty damn fast, like uh, Tiananmen Square. But I don't think that's going to happen with the outreach and the tools available to uh, speak your mind um, through TikTok and all the other social media. So uh, my whole point in this one is that I think there's going to be an impact post-Chinese New Year because workers are just not going to come back and um, and just not not put up with it. What I worry about, Bud, is... is... You just said it, right? Tiananmen Square. I think you and I were both just getting out of high school, right? Is that what that happened? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, it was like our senior year or something or whatever. Yeah. And I remember being just oblivious to the import of what was going on. I, I still remember uh, watching CNN and all the rest of it and being like, wow, this this, this seems pretty crazy. But then I, I came to school and you had this absolutely incredible history teacher. And his name was Colonel Spaulding. And Colonel Spaulding, he had faked his age to go in the army during World War II. I think he said he spent his like his 16th birthday in France somewhere getting shot at. Like he, I mean, really faked his age. And mm-hmm. then um, went back after he graduated from college, went back in the army as an officer. He was one of the first Green Berets. Um, and he went to Vietnam. And the guy, I mean, the guy stayed in the army forever. He came out as a colonel. Um, and I remember going to school afterwards and Colonel Spaulding saying, is everybody watching the news and what's going on in China? And do you understand the differences of what it means to be an American and have access to the ability to say your mind, speak your mind, and for our press to be able to put those opinions out? And we had what was one of the very first real adult conversations in my life about the ability for that information to spread and you know how it's difficult to keep you brought up Watergate, you know, how it's difficult to keep something that's devastating. And I wonder what Colonel Spaulding would say today when you've got, you know, like me, a knucklehead with a LinkedIn page is like whipping out what's going on around the world on news. You and I have a weekly television show with our laptops and some, you know, shaved down Sasquatch in Denver, Colorado, who produces the whole thing. They have that in China now, like you're saying, all these years later. And there are thousands of people in the street in a country where dissent can end you up in prison pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And they're saying what they think about it. And I don't care if you're a truck driver, if you're working in warehousing, if you're the air freight, ocean freight, working at a port, there has to be a degree of, of fear associated with what could be happening right now. And as Americans, so I'm going to bring it back to logistics, we're constantly talking on the show about supply chain resiliency. Constantly. The amount of faith that we have in the politics of China to keep things running it's almost blind faith that we don't have to worry about 
some sort of political political turmoil getting in the way of our supply chains. That's exactly what zero COVID has done, and mm-hmm. it appears to be ramping up as we speak, man. So I think that there's nothing we don't talk about politics. We try really hard not to on the show, but I think as professionals in transportation and logistics and supply chain, we have to begin to consider how political unrest can negatively affect the supply chains of ourselves, of our clients, of the people that we advise, because this can go sideways fast, Doug. And if it does, it's going to mean a lot more than just bad supply chains. It can mean a lot of pretty awful situations for the people that we work with, many of us that are employees of ours, many of us, and how this could turn out. So, yeah, we should be watching it. It should be a bigger news story than a murder in Idaho. It should be a much bigger news story than what stupid thing Meghan Markle has said lately. This this is probably the most important, impactful story, other than the invasion of Ukraine so far this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Well, um, I think we're going to pop into our halftime show um, brought to you by Cap Logistics, caplogistics.com. Pete and I wouldn't be sitting here uh, uh, bantering back and forth without them. So so check them out. Take, take a look. You know, I'm going to go first because I like yours to end. Right. And we talked about um, uh, politics and how we want to stay away with it, stay away from it on our show. But I'm going to jump right into it and bring up some politics stuff. But this is kind of comical, right? So I just saw the other day that we have, are officially in the lame duck session uh, mm-hmm. of Congress. So uh, for a quick uh, reminder, it's the period after an election and before the new cor- uh, Congress has been sworn in, defined as lame duck, which means not a whole lot gets done. And I just started thinking about that, that that's like, like where else in the entire world in any industry that is in that can simply just check out and fully admit that they're just kicking the can down the road and literally doing nothing other than window dressing for six weeks seven weeks i mean can you imagine if that happened in our industry i mean this is you know specific to supply chain logistics just hey i kind of just you know it's after the holiday or it's you know holidays are just starting and we kind of don't really want to work because it doesn't really matter because we got to go for next week i mean it, it wouldn't it just it wouldn't play like the economy would shut down um but yet our administration and and, and congress are not only is it um happening but they give it a name for god's sakes lame duck sessions which means we're not going to do jack crap for six to seven months or six to seven weeks until until uh, uh things uh until new congress is sworn in it just it just baffles me that the um i don't know i want to get too political on this stuff but anyway lame duck session are you kidding me any other industry in the world would be catastrophic and if you ran a business that way you would be out of business so um there's my little rant on the lame duck session and how much of a joke it is in my opinion well, having been a DC uh, nerd for quite a long time there and, and managing to live inside of that beltway, um, you know, the term's very fitting. That idea of a wounded duck. Nothing's taken off, nothing's going anywhere, and it's just going to die. So there's no <laughs> point. There's no point in doing anything right now because that duck is plain. It is wounded. Just waiting for something to kill it and take it away. It is worthless. Uh, and then I was thinking of just as you were talking, like, are there times in this history? I'm like, well, what about Chinese New Year? And no. What about holidays? No. Like, I had in the middle of Chinese New Year had people in China, like in the middle of the holidays, being like, I need something done right now, man. Like, can we 
it's it, this is a business where I was on the phone today, and I you know my my current position uh, is is such where I work with mostly people that are on my level of of what, of what I'm doing right now. They're all in Canada. They're all in Canada. They're on Montreal and Toronto, and 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 um, last Thursday and Friday were just like last Thursday and Friday as far as they were concerned. It was like. You know, oh, we forgot today's your your big eat turkey, get fat day, American. So too bad, but hey, can you call someone for us and take care of this? Um, this is one industry where nobody cares what the date says on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Bring the pain, man. And what's crazy is you kind of find out if you're made for this when you first learn to respond to crap like, but it's my vacation, it's Valentine's Day, it's my anniversary. Oh, I don't care. Where's my freight? <laughs> You know, yeah. I need a truck and I need it now. So um, who do you think paid for that vacation? Let's go. Like that's, it's, it's a, it's an industry where when you're good at it and your customers come to depend on you, you're just going to work all the time. But it's, yeah. it's, it's rewarding. And I think that's why you and I, after 75 years are still doing it. No, I get it. It's a, a badge of honor. It's pride. You know, we'll get the job done. It doesn't matter. Air, ocean, trucking, ground, doesn't matter. People just make sure it, get, it gets done. So I, I'm very yeah. proud of our industry and, you, and how we do not uh, back into a lame duck session. Uh, we're always moving <laughs> forward. So anyway, yeah. what, what what you got, Pete? My, my, mine is not nearly as fascinating as yours. You know, so uh, I live in a divided household with regards to Christmas. Um, the, everyone around me seems, seems to think that there is absolutely nothing wrong with putting up Christmas decorations whenever the hell you feel like. Like there there is there is nothing wrong. If you wanted to have Christmas up before Thanksgiving, so when people came over for Thanksgiving and there was a tree in the living room, hey, that's cool, right? Like let's play Christmas music in the car in October, right? And this is this is normal now, right? It's just normal. And when do you take your Christmas stuff down? People are very we got attitude with that. So in my in my my way of thinking, don't put any Christmas stuff up until after Thanksgiving. Every holiday deserves its time. And then once Christmas is over with, I want it gone. Mm-hmm. Like December 26th, I want it gone. Because to me, 12 days later is when you start Mardi Gras, which is, you know, it's the most important holiday in my entire year. So and he just gave me a look as she walked past me, like, shut it. Right? <laughs> so um, day after Thanksgiving, you can start with the never-ending, like, Holly on X, Sirius XM, listening to Christmas music. You can put up your Christmas tree and hang the stockings with care and yada, 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 yada. But December 26th, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. But here's the thing. I don't have any say in any of this. It will be done when it's done, when they want to do it. And uh, it will come down when she feels like it's going to come down. This has, I have nothing to do with the decision, Doug. So two questions. When is it okay for uh, decorations to come up and go down? And second of all, do you feel like you have any power whatsoever in that decision as the man of the house? Mm. I love when you ask these questions. So um, the weekend of Thanksgiving, right? So um, big fan. Our family, you know, my kids are in college. They came home, great four-day week. So we trimmed the tree, bought the tree, set it up, did the whole thing as a family. Um, so Saturday after Thanksgiving, and then 
literally, Pete, I have taken the tree down on Christmas day before and I've, cause it's, it's pretty much dead. And my next door neighbor, he made a comment. He said, it's, it's, you, you know, it's Christmas at the Draper house when Doug is dragging a dead tree through the backyard and chucking it out in the, in the alley to be recycled. And then when, when I, I feel like, um, who was it? Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places when he's got that fish, he's all mangled and just looks yeah, disheveled. Yeah. Oh, he's got the salmon, just bah humbug. I mean, open the presents, you know, and let's just, let's shut it down. I mean, I, Pete, I'm not even kidding. There was probably more times in the last 20 years that I've chucked that tree on Christmas day than I have not. And it's just time to go. So I'll go a little bit early, but to answer your question, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, Christmas day in the evening, the party's over. It's time to move on. You're a mean one. Mr. Green. <laughs> uh, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I just know that that's not, I don't have a choice, man. Like I, they will go up when they go up. They will come down when they come down. If there needs to be more, go buy it. Like there, I don't have a choice in any of this. And I'm fine mm -hmm. with that because it's, you know, it makes everybody else so damn happy. But I do have one line I don't like cross. And I said, I don't like presents for me. Um, I think it's a waste. So I have everything I could ever want. Don't buy any stuff unless I specifically ask for it. Like, and I don't, I don't need it. I mean, the kids go crazy and he goes crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Love all that. And that's wonderful because I love giving presents, but I, I don't like getting them because it just feels like a waste on me. You want to give me a great present? Leave me the hell alone for a couple hours. How's that for a great present? <laughs> How you like them apples? <laughs> Right. So right. there you go. That was halftime brought to you by our friends at Cap Logistics. And um, Doug and I have just proven that we really are a couple of just cranky old curmudgeons at this point. We hate everything, um, but we love Cap Logistics and we love our viewers and we love our listeners. And um, at least Doug loves Keenan. Uh, and um, I love him too. He knows I love him. For all of you that every time I see somebody and I'm like, you watch the show and you're like, why are you so mean to Keenan? <laughs> I love Keenan. What do you mean to him? I love the guy. I, I think he's incredible. But why do you always break his nuts on the show? And I'm like, well, because it's fun. Yeah. He's like he's like he's like Wilson on the old home improvements where you only saw the top of his of his hat over the fence. Like, you know, he's fantastic. But if you know people get too much of Keenan, it's gonna wreck it's gonna wreck the magic. So yeah. Plus we don't want his head getting too big and he's gonna start his own podcast. We don't need that. Very true. Very true. Yeah. But uh, to learn more about Cap Logistics, visit them, our friends at Cap Logistics at caplogistics.com, and that will take us to our second topics. So um, I guess Doug, you can go. Yeah, to. sure. So we're this one's been kind of heated and very controversial. Our, our show, that is, up until now, we got some politics, we got China, we're, we're talking about lame duck sessions, and of course, the holidays. So this one's pretty mundane, but... I saw something a couple, uh, maybe a week or two ago about uh, there's a push to standardize the e-commerce sales tax. Uh, now, sales tax, um, as far as the e-commerce e sales tax, there's like 45 states, I think, that already have some type of sales tax program. And sales tax are generally set and collected by the state um, and uh, used for uh, local needs and policies and things of that nature. So it's uh, it's local. It's defined by what that community in that state needs done, uh, whether it's infrastructure or support services or things of that nature. So 
standardizing an e-commerce sales tax across the entire country. Pete, I have to admit, I'm in favor of it um, for uh, one particular reason. Once you give somebody something, it's very difficult, almost impossible to take it away, right? So you have to set the standardized e-commerce sales tax at the highest level uh, of any state in the country and maybe even bump it up a little bit. So if your sales tax in uh, Texas is zero, or that's income tax, but the sales tax is, is very minimal, uh, you can't set the bar. The bar has to be set at the highest possible letter, level um, and then bump it a little bit. And the reason that'll work, Pete, is that I don't know a single person that shops online and pays attention, understands, or looks at what the sales tax is. It's all about the item they're purchasing and is it higher or lower than the other site that they went to? I get an X on Amazon. I can get it on Y with, with uh, uh, eBay or, or direct to the consumer. So you know what? Make it standardized. Bump it up to the extreme. Make some more money for the taxes. Um, I'm all in favor of it. People aren't going to pay that much attention to it. It'll make a little bit of noise. But nobody in that I know focuses on sales tax of any level and making a decision online when they push the uh, the buy now button. So um, so I say go for it. I think there could be uh, some good benefits. The key, Pete, is trying to um, uh, monitor it and put rules and regulations around it. Could just crush the whole thing and uh, go back to the established processes that are already set up and make it a state issue. But I'm in favor of it. I like it. Make sure you bump it as high as you can to cover all the states out there that have various degrees of sales tax. And uh, and let's go. Let, let's make it happen. So I'm in favor of it for those reasons. Um, and that's all I have on that topic, my friend. Well, Doug, um, on behalf of all 1.2 million of us here in the great granite state of New Hampshire, you can kiss my ass. Okay? <laughs> Live free or die. Do not tread on me. Taxation is theft. Um, no. So having worked in e-commerce, having worked for the company whose, whose name is synonymous with this tax question. So, yep. you know, the Wayfair case when it came to how we deal with right now, it really was established because, you know, they were stuck in this nexus of selling all over the country. And I don't know why they didn't go over and get Amazon or somebody. But, yeah. Um, Here's the deal. Is it a sale? Yes. Do we have sales tax in my state? No, because we are civilized people here. We don't expect to stick it to you like that. We find other ways to stick it to the numerous tourists that come here, like meals taxes and hospitality taxes, so the people who actually do live here don't have to be messed with so much. You want a sales tax, Doug? God bless you. You can have it there in Colorado. Don't bring that noise. To the granite state where we don't have an income tax and we don't have a sales tax i'm not sure the kids here can read but i will tell you this we're not going to have additional costs put onto our products just because somebody's society makes it easier yeah. no no every state should have to figure this out on its own it creates a lot more jobs for my friends and tax firms god bless you and it gives people reasons to have these conversations and arguments about where they ought to live you want to tax something California, okay? You want to sell e-commerce, have it sent to your friend in New Hampshire's address, and you don't have to worry about that extra 8%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm doing some math here. Is that here, definitive man. enough for you, my friend? Uh, well, I'm doing enough? some math. I'm not being disrespectful. 
but um, the great state of New Hampshire represents 0.004% of the uh, population in the United States. So we'll put that in perspective. That's four tenths of 1%. So um, I'm, you, you would be, be voted and uh, uh, the state, great state of New Hampshire would lose. And the great state of New Hampshire say to kiss our ass. We got all the guns anyway. Here's where it goes, Doug. <laughs> The, the one tenth of one percent of people go to places like Harvard, and that's what makes them so spectacular, right? Yep. Just because there aren't a lot of them doesn't mean that I'm important. There are other states that don't have income taxes, like I believe Washington State is another one. It's a, it's a very big deal. People from Oregon and neighboring states go there all the time to buy their stuff. It increases their ability to make revenue. No taxation is theft, and having additional taxation just because it's easy is the kind of thing that you know. I find that we're going to have a, a flat across the board tariff on everything. It just makes it easier, Doug. No, absolutely not. I wonder what Bitcoin boy is saying. He's probably got his shirt off right now, pacing like, oh, I wish it was on right now. Like he's probably losing it because he makes me look like Gavin Newsom in my opinions about this stuff. So I'd love to see what Keenan's doing right now. I'll have to ask him at the end of the show. Yeah. Doug, well, well, Doug, you're wrong. We often ask our, our listeners and our guests, give us your thoughts and your feedback, right? We'll mm -hmm. see. We'll get the feedback from, uh, yeah. from, from the masses out there. So yeah, I'll give anyway. them my feedback too. So you go ahead and comment on the video and you comment on LinkedIn. You get some good old uncle Pete's going to have some stuff to say to you too. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll bring it home for us with my last topic here. And yeah. this is, um, this is something that over the course of last year, about the same time we started talking about before we did our end of year show, we knew that things were going to change. We knew that rates were going to change and we knew that the economy was going to change. And with that, party's over. Party's over for these, these kids in freight forwarding. You know, it's like um, selling junk bonds for milking in the 80s. There were, there were like all these, all these guys that, that were salespeople out there that never really had to sell in a hard environment because like oh i've got space on a ship who wants it who wants it it's like you're dangling a piece of bacon in front of 50 dogs right um and now you're gonna have to work and what we're seeing what we've been seeing probably over the course of i'm gonna say the last four months and it's gonna get real serious now is freight forwarders really working so you're beginning to see people out in the industry doing everything they can to be disruptive financially in order to either reclaim business that they lost during the pandemic mm -hmm. or to gain as much volume as they possibly can so that they can try to lower their costs and make a bit more profit. But the push is on, my friends. So the 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 back to reality of working for a forwarder and the good times being gone, they're gone. This is now an, uh, a time where you're going to see salespeople hitting the streets, hitting the bricks, and all the um, all the wannabes, they're not going to be around for much longer. And I want to expand on that to go a level up. We're not just talking about salespeople, buddy. We're talking about a lot of freight forwarders who did not see increases in file volume, who did not see increases in the amount of expansion they were having with bringing on new customers, new logos, if you will, into the business. I think we're going to see maybe two to three years of a lot of people just falling off. A lot of assets that that are going to be out there a little toxic that no one wants to buy and you're just going to see a lot of freight forwarders fall off the wayside you're going to see a lot of people in sales 
just like the real estate's great, you're going to be going back to working at the barista counter because they were selling based on nothing but cost rather than trying to sell a relationship, trying to sell an ideology and knowing what they're actually doing. So, mm -hmm. um, hey, nah, nah, goodbye. I think 2023 mm -hmm. is the year where that starts. Yeah. Well, I, I would agree 110%, right? We talked about the roaring 20s uh, when um, we started coming out of COVID to, to the extreme level. And that was about 18 months. We we called it. We spoke about it. Now, um, as far as the service providers and, and ocean freight and consumers uh, that touch it indirectly or directly, um, it, it's here. And the one piece that I had not thought of, Pete, that you made mention of is what's the fallout going to be? I think. Um, meaning business is going out of business, right? Um, just like um, whenever um, uh, over-the-road trucking rates were skyrocketing and you had all these people that were leaving um, larger companies to go start their own trucking company. It's me and my neighbor and a guy I met drinking a beer at a bar and we're going to get our, uh, our, uh, our licenses and we're going to go out and crush it because it's so, so profitable right now. And, and you're seeing... A lot of those guys and those trucking companies and gals, uh, you know, folding up again and going back over to the traditional asset-based carrier. So same exact thing. I think there's going to be some fallout. Um, we'll see that probably second, middle, second quarter, third quarter. We'll start seeing if they're going to hang on as long as they possibly can. But yeah, the fallout from businesses uh, dropping out and going out of business is going to be uh, pretty substantial. So I would agree with you on this one. Yeah. You know, I, I always joke about this, but there needs to be a scared straight version for freight forwarding. Like that old TV show where they would take first-time offenders from high school and they'd have them go to a real prison. And I just, I, I've, I've been saying it for a year when I was watching all these young guys that were selling these upstart freight forwarders that, like you said, somebody built in their garage using carbolized. And you, you just see them and you're like, look in my eyes. 30 years. I've seen it come and go. I've seen the big eat the small and the small eat the big. I've seen the government wreck them. I've seen companies that have had four or five clients that all went bankrupt at the same time. You don't know what you're signing up for. So if you think it's always going to be this easy, you better learn to work hard because this, this industry is about to get hard. And if you're not ready for that, if you haven't been through it before, if you don't know what it means to knuckle up and make it work, this ain't the job for you, man. Go back to selling pharmaceuticals back in Poughkeepsie, but you know this ain't the place for you, man. Now for operations, <laughs> I think it's about to be a nice breather. <laughs> Two years of burning hellfire, you know, it might be a little bit better as the volumes come down. But um, yeah, you might want to go sell that beach house because I don't think you're making the payments on it if you're not really willing to, to hustle. So yeah. that that's. I like uh, it. That's my brutal opinion, and um, I guess it's a great way to end it. Uh, one thing I will say is, guys, we, we get, must be getting pretty close to doing our our, uh, our 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 show where we start talking about next year's um, predictions. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's we need to talk about that. Here's the beauty of this show, Pete. It's like most of it is ad lib. We've not talked about that, so we should come up with that date and kick it out um, here very quickly. So keep an eye out. And we'll even tell you where we were wrong in 2022. Um, yeah. But you know what? We're forward thinking. We got the uh, the guts to to throw out some some predictions, not just some fluffy language. Uh, we're not a lame duck session, Pete. We're going to tell it like it is, and we're going to work. 
Uh, yeah, I had my lame duck session when I got laid off. It was a wonderful month of not having that people scream at me about where their cargo was. I don't, I don't need lame ducks. I don't think I've ever been as happy as, uh, as I have been lately to just be answering people's questions about freight and going out there and trying to win business. And there is no lame duck in this business, but we have the courage to put our ideas out there. And I think we're also old enough to realize we're not always going to be right. And that's okay. But someone's got to at least put it out there. And I'm proud of the fact the show does it every week. And I'm, uh, I'm certainly very proud to be on it with you. And I did say I was thankful for you, Doug, in my Thanksgiving prayers when I went to church that morning, because I am that guy. Um, and I'm thankful for the show and Kian and Catholic Logistics for all the viewers. So I'm thankful to all of you, our viewers and our listeners, who continue, the thousands of you, to come and watch this um, week after week. And um, show up again next week. when We'll have an excellent edition of Global Trade this week. Thanks, Kian. Thank you, Doug. You're the greatest. And we'll see you again next week. You got it. Thanks, Pete. See you, everybody.